Creative careers can look very differently. Some of us find their calling from a young age on, others search for years and try out different jobs, creative fields or career paths. And there are a lot of successful creatives who started very late in life. So there's no right or wrong way, just your own way and your own pace. My guest today tried different ways to find her creative career. From photography to makeup artist and publicist. Today she works as a creative entrepreneur. I'm of course talking about Diane Foy, personal branding and PR coach. In our conversation we cover her journey to finding her own sweet spot. How she enables other creatives to find their why and what lessons she learned over the course of her work in life. Sweet people, you're listening to the Sweet Spot Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Zeus, and if you're looking for the sweet spot of your brand, you've come to the right place. This is a great episode for all young creatives and entrepreneurs and everyone who wants to work on their personal brand. So please enjoy my talk to Diane Foy. Welcome to the Sweet Side. This is the Sweet Spot Podcast with Mark Zeus, investigating entrepreneurship, purpose and the creative life Sweet people please welcome with me to the show Diane, how how are you doing? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> nice to have you on. Where are you at the moment? I am Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Ah, in my closet. Canada. My little closet <laughs> studio. Perfect. I got clothes well, beside me. <laughs> it's good for sound. It's perfect. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. So I'm really interested in how's your day so far? Because, you know, I'm always keen on learning new creative routines and how people structure their time and resources. So how does one of your days look like? I am not normally talking to people at 10 in the morning. In the closet. <laughs> in my closet. I'm more of an afternoon thriver, but we we have such a time difference. It's like you're ending your day and I'm beginning my day. Um, so normally I would do things like this in the afternoon. But in the morning, I'm kind of a slow start to my day, mm -hmm. have some tea, food, check emails. And then kind of, then I'll kind of, as I get the energy, I start to, you know, if there's writing I need to do or content creation, or if I am going to do coaching sessions and interviews, I do those usually in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So that's how that goes. I might have a few of those in a day where I do a lot of podcast interviews for either my show or me being a guest in other people's shows. And then coaching sessions is like the main thing I love to do is helping artists um, go through the various things that I coach on, helping them succeed. Uh Yeah, that's kind of how my days go. That sounds then, exciting. Yeah. Do you have any 
creative routines that you just do for yourself. For example, there's, I don't know, morning pages or meditations or anything like that. To, do you need something to get into your creative flow or can you just snap into it once the workday started? I think it's different in the sense that I did try those morning pages. I hated it because, again, I'm not a morning person. So my morning pages were full of, I don't want to do this. I want to go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so that doesn't work for me. Um, but also what I do, I guess, business-wise is more the purpose is to help others be creative and do their thing. And I'm Whereas I do have a lot of creative hobbies that may mm -hmm. turn into things. Those I kind of do at a separate time. And right now it's not my number one priority focus. Um, I have to actually make time, I guess, mm -hmm. to be creative. Like, mm -hmm. And I'm so committed to the working of helping others and building this that it's hard to do but yeah sometimes i will go okay saturday i'm gonna go for a walk and bring my camera mm -hmm. and go take pictures of whatever i see um or i might i play around with mixed media art so mm -hmm. i might again but i kind of do those on the weekends Yeah. And then Monday to Friday, I'm all about content creation and coaching and helping artists. Well, that's a good segue into your into your professional life so far, because as you just said, you're going to grab your camera um, with your work. You can draw from 30 years of experience as a creative entrepreneur. Um, you worked 16 years as an arts and entertainment publicist and also as a photographer and a many different creative fields but i'm really interested in how did your creative entrepreneurship journey start what's your first moment that you felt like oh this is something i really want to do yeah so i think i've always been attracted to arts and entertainment i even as a little kid i didn't have barbie dolls i had like Donnie Marie and you know <laughs> I had musicians and Charlie's Angels and and things that were TV and pop culture related um but I was way too shy to be a performer I think I secretly probably wanted to be a singer wanted to be a dancer but way too shy and so it wasn't until maybe high school where they try and force you to pick a career and mm -hmm. the counselors were really only interested in the really smart people that were going to university to be a doctor, you know? Mm -hmm. So people like me didn't really care. Oh, go be a secretary. Go be the, I'm like, no. And yeah. I thought there has to be something more. And I'm so passionate about music in particular. How can I be in the entertainment business? And so I had a Pat Benatar uh, tour program book. <laughs> mm -hmm. I went to the back and looked at the credits and I looked through the credits and I either didn't know what they meant or wasn't interested. And then I saw a photographer and I was like, okay, I'm going to be a photographer. I didn't have a camera, but that was my way in. That was my mm -hmm. way in. So I got a... 35 millimeter camera started taking photography and publishing in high school 
finally started to get good grades because I actually cared about those subjects. And mm-hmm. I know that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. And then for photography schools, there wasn't a lot of options, but there was a really technical school. Um, of course, the counselor told me I would never get the grades in physics, chemistry, and algebra to get into that school. Um, but I did. Um, so- yeah, so I went to school where, where for photography that? for two years. I was um, Vancouver at that time. Okay, and they didn't have like an artistic um, study for photography. It was more technical? Well, it was photography. There was two options for photography school. There was the art school where the first year was all kinds of art, mm-hmm. painting, didn't even touch a camera for the first year. But I didn't really have a lot of, I didn't, somehow for some reason didn't take art classes um and so i thought the more technical photography school was a two-year very intense like you learn the technology behind the camera and chemistry because you got to develop your own film and all that stuff so uh that is what i did two years it was intense it was a lot of work i had many nervous breakdowns it was hard um But I got through it because I think I just never give up. So (laughs) uh, only a few of us graduated from that two-year program. It was intense. And then someone else took a makeup artistry program for her own photography. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that too. So right after the two years of photography, I went and did like a six-month makeup artistry program. And then from there, I started assisting a fashion photographer which was great because i learned all those technical follow the rules things in school Mm -hmm. and then working with a fashion photographer we throw away all the rules or we know why we're breaking them so it was really great to continue the photography in another way in fashion where you did just be free to create. And so I freelanced photography, some makeup. I was kind of doing both. And then I would do makeup and fashion styling for the models that I would then take photos of. Um, So I was doing that for a while. And I think a theme is, this is why I embrace multi-potentiality so much, is that in my journey, even other artists told me I can't do everything and can't do all these things. So when I was doing makeup and styling for my own photography, even the photographer I worked with said, don't do that. You shouldn't do, you shouldn't be doing all that work with another makeup artist, work with a stylist, just stick to photography. Mm-hmm. I did. Okay. You know, Cause so even other mm-hmm. artists tell you that you should pick one thing and stick with it to be successful. Yeah. So I did that. Um, not a lot. Of, I, again, when I was doing photography, all I wanted to do was shoot musicians and actors and mm-hmm. artists and performers and models. And in order to make a living as a photographer in Vancouver at the time, there wasn't enough industry to support that. So I moved to Toronto with the plan to become more in the photography for entertainment But then I just happened to get a full-time job in makeup, makeup artistry. So 
I actually never picked up a camera again for a good 12 years. Wow. I was yeah. a makeup artist. Mm -hmm. And so I dived into that and then loved it. I was fashion industry and but even then full-time makeup I still on my free time wanted to do makeup for bands. I did music videos, I did photo shoots, I did makeup for artists before they went on stage and and so there was always that. And then at some point I got bored of that. Like I got bored of makeup. Because again, I think the makeup was just a way to be around performers. Mm -hmm. I did some music journalism thinking that's it, but that wasn't it. And so I kind of realized that obviously everything I'd done was to be around artists. Obviously, I want to be in the music industry, in the entertainment industry whereas photography makeup and fashion is kind of like on the outskirts mm -hmm. so i mm -hmm. took an entertainment management program learned everything to do with the music business i kind of figured publicity would be my thing and that's from there i just started my publicity company just kind of winged it i and i think the art the entrepreneurship part i'm a reluctant entrepreneur which a lot of artists can relate to yeah we didn't get in this to be an entrepreneur yeah. and a lot of our creative schooling didn't teach us how to actually make a living mm -hmm. you know you went to art school you went to photography school you went to all this stuff and they didn't really show you how to actually make a living at it it's they're they're not jobs that you graduate school and then you go get a job you know yeah. so I was always a reluctant entrepreneur. So starting publicity, I think, was the first time that I never had that secure job. That was it. I had to make it work as an entrepreneur yeah. Yeah. and started just doing publicity for my friends' bands and 16 years as an arts and entertainment publicist Amazing. on and off while trying to manage other things. And then, again, the last transition was because... I've worked with a lot of celebrities as a publicist, but I also worked with a lot of up and coming actors. I just got a, a, a part in a film, uh, musicians. I have a new album out artists. I have a art gallery show. I need a publicist, but more and more in order to succeed with press and media, you need to have that personal brand. You need to have social media followers, activity, presence. You need a story. It all yep. comes down to story. You need something that will draw people in and be interested in who you are. And you have to put yourself out there and really share your vulnerability. And artists weren't doing that for what I saw from when they come to me with publicity. And I would just keep kind of turning them away i'm like mm -hmm. unless you have this this and this i can't get you press and then i realized that coaching okay now i can help you i'll help you get there so that's kind of the long story <laughs> the, 100%. Uh, the really short version of getting it's, here this is a very this is a very exciting story before we dive into what you do today i really want to investigate your your career path so far because I can totally relate to 
two things I want to learn more from your perspective about. One thing is that you gave yourself permission to follow your inner voice. Like the photographer and the job you had at the time, he was like, no, 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 stick to it, which is something that you hear surprisingly a lot, even if you're in the creative field, that people who you would consider open-minded and creative and just open to the world are pretty, build a lot of fences and build a lot of not too many bridges into other creative crafts. And I experienced this myself when I tried out different things. So what made you ignore the warning signs and just follow your inner voice to, I want to try this, I want to do this, and I don't care what they what they might tell me or if it's even successful or not yeah i think for a long time i played it safe and did mm -hmm. follow the rules and because i wasn't comfortable to really put myself out there and i wasn't confident into into my own ways so i listened to all these people <laughs> you know mm -hmm. um When that photographer told me I should not do these other things and just stick with photography, I did. I did. And it kind of was good because when I would work with another makeup artist, it's like it's a little bit more of a collaboration. You can. So there was good things about it. Um, and then when I was a makeup artist, I think it's because I just kept getting bored. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't want to dedicate my life to one thing of how and i would see other artists be so committed like if they're a photographer if they're a makeup artist if they're a musician they've wanted to do that since they were a kid they dedicate their whole life to it they don't have distractions and other interests they're just like that's all i want to do and i just didn't have that i would almost be jealous of them mm -hmm. that that's all they wanted to do I, I would yeah. keep getting bored. Well, I know that feeling and and uh, kudos that you just went with it. Because I think giving yourself permission for that and treating yourself with the respect of, if I'm bored doing this, why should I do it? And even if it's a job I really wanted at one point, let's not waste precious time on it if you're bored by it right now. I think this is something that people can really take away. Because if you're bored with it, it's going to, over time, not make you good at what you do, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And I think until I was a publicist, I always had that secure job as well. Mm -hmm. And I would do things on the side. I would do what I really want to do on the side. So, you know, you would think my makeup artistry job that is creative, it's full time. Um, but... I would still spend my days off doing makeup for music videos and mm -hmm. <laughs> these are the mm -hmm. things. Right. Um, but I always had that secure job. And so that was to break free from that was when I left that job and went to entertainment management school. And when I finished school, it was the first time that it's like, I don't have any security. <laughs> and I think even that makeup artistry job, even though it was creative, After a while, it turned very corporate mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they took away a lot of the creative part of the job. It was more about just selling. It was retail. It was, and that's not why I'm here. You know, it's, yeah. it used to be very creative and now it was like, sell, sell, sell. 
we actually don't care if you're a good makeup artist. It's just sell, sell, sell. And I was just like, I'm out. And so even though I was now music industry, I didn't want to go to Sony or like, I didn't want to go to a corporate record label. I just felt that was such a trap because Mm -hmm. I guess I know myself that if I had that secure job, I would stay in that job longer than I should have. And so I kind of rebelled in the sense of like, I don't, I don't want to work for a big record company Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to figure it out. I got to figure it out. And well, but that's, that's amazing. I mean, know thyself, right? If you, if you know how you're going to tick and you don't fall into these traps, it's great because that's inner work that's on a meta level thinking about what do you want to apply your talent on and knowing yourself well enough to know um, what maybe quote unquote traps you want to avoid. Yeah. yeah. It's really worth a lot. You know, and there's the second thing you mentioned, which isn't, which is kind of a bias that a lot of creatives from all walks of life, all countries, all different industries I talk to have. And they, a lot of them tell me the same story that they have a bias about money and entrepreneurship because it's not really taught. Um, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I studied design, which is pretty close connected to industries and advertising and yeah. you would say business. But even in design school, you had like one performa lesson on, yeah, yeah. And these are different. Uh, this is a limited, this is a whatever kind of company. And yeah, there's some legal stuff. That's it. You know, one, yeah. one little lecture. And If I talk to artists who study fine art, for example, they never even heard of anything on how to make a living, how to handle money, how to market yourself, how to make a living at the end of the day. And I think this is a real, at least for the German and some of the American market that I have experience with, um, that I can speak of, that's a huge problem. Because if you want to cultivate arts and really push them or whatever creative businesses or things to do if you don't teach people how to survive they're going to leave the creative field or they have to go into other sectors and yeah that's a huge problem yeah and i think in a lot of i because i've done a lot of school programs in those school programs there usually was a marketing course or Mm -hmm. a business course but a lot of times they were just the general college marketing course. Yeah. It wasn't tailored to me. It was mm-hmm. how to design an advertising campaign for this product. And so, it, you know, I usually got good grades in marketing, but I still didn't know how to connect it to what artists do. Yeah. Yeah. And business courses or how to do a business plan. I didn't really have a good teacher, so Mm -hmm. I still couldn't grasp the concept of, but how do you know how much money you'll make? Like, I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. So I had to figure it out, which also meant there was a lot of struggle. You know, I was a publicist for 16 years, but there was a lot of struggle along Mm -hmm. the way. And it's the roller coaster of being really, really busy. Money's coming in. Everything's great. Then nothing, you know, it's that roller coaster of, of and then there's nothing, there's nothing coming in. Okay, crap. Now, what do I got to do to get that back? And 
I found even through those years, I never really had a system of how to, I was just, when work came, it came, I did it. When it didn't come, I figured out other things. And, and I think part of why I love coaching so much now is that, oh, I wish I had coaches along the way. Mm-hmm. Especially as when you're an artist, when you're starting out, you can volunteer to assist a well-established artist. So as a photographer, I volunteer to work as a photography assistant. The makeup artist, you can volunteer for a fashion show and watch other makeup artists work. As a publicist, okay, yeah, in the beginning, I can intern and volunteer and learn. But there always comes a point where once you're kind of doing it, there is no mentorship, at least in a lot of fields there's just no you're on your own there's no one that's going to help you like run the business or whatever and so with now with coaching i'm like i have a coach for everything (laughs) (laughs) because i figured out that they you know after all those years of doing everything myself a lot of musicians think like this too it's diy we do everything ourselves Mm -hmm. and you figure it out but you also struggle a lot along the way. And the thing with coaching is sometimes if you get the right coach, I've had the bad coaches too, but if you get the right coach for you, they've already figured out a lot of things. They've already figured out a system of how to get where you want to go. So you can just get where you want to go faster mm-hmm. instead of wasting years, trial and error. I made the same experience, 100%. I think great coaches are somewhere between a helping hand, a coworker, a mentor, depending on what part of your business or life you get a coach at. But before we dive into what you do today and your coaching and the way you work with creatives and artists, to finish this chapter of your life where you had so many various lines of work that that you've applied yourself in, Did you take away any form of lessons that apply to all these creative fields? Are there any universal truths that you found along the way that bind these things together that you maybe use today as a coach? Yeah. Well, there's things I didn't know along the way that I know now. And that entrepreneurship, creative entrepreneurship, it's hard. (laughs) It's a lot of work. There are going to be times where you're not going to know how to pay your rent and it's a struggle. So this is where the why comes in, because if you don't have a very clear why you're doing this, the deeper inner purpose, Mm -hmm. it's too easy to quit. And I, you know, there was many times where I was quitting and there was also times where I was like, I'm done. I'm going to go get another job. I'm going to, the idea of steady paycheck and benefits sounded really good to me at that time. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm done. Um, But that's a whole other story. I couldn't really get a job because I was stuck in overqualified, underqualified. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also at the heart of it, you know, I didn't want those jobs. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. But I did spend a year of really 
applying for jobs, interviewing. And yeah, it just didn't work out. So I had to figure this out. And I'm glad I did because now I, again, I know myself even more. Mm-hmm. And also, if you look at your journey of all the different go with the flow things. I wouldn't be happy in a steady job. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's it. It sometimes seems like way out, but um, if you really know, it, I think you must check in with yourself. Is it something to fight some problems that you have temporarily, economically? Um, is your why strong enough? I mean, you just dropped the, the big W word, the why. So yeah. um, maybe let's dive into this before we talk about what you actually do. Um, I know that you created your own method as a coach, fans, media and industry attraction method. And in there you write about revenue streams, social media, but it also comes down to do a lot of inner work that we just yeah. covered a little bit when it comes to your own career and finding your why It's, this is, by the way, something that I think our creative fields overlap because in a way to build a brand, you also have to know your why. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's the basis on not only to build your own unique story, but also to build a career on and to hold on if things get tight. So what is your why and when and how did you find it? Sweet people, successful brands are storytellers. Forget about boring content marketing strategies. Stop annoying people with the same ideas, the same content they see on every other channel. Stop spending money on third-party ads and wasting time and resources on random social media feeds. Standard solutions are for standard brands. Do you want to stand out? Do you want to be better? Well, tell a better story. In my new online crash course, you will get an hour-long creative coaching on brand storytelling. We will cover strategy, how to design the right format using your strengths and skills, and you will learn how to craft engaging story. It only takes one hour of your time to take creative control of your brand. Get your ticket for the brand storytelling crash course now on sweetspot-studio.com. And now let's get back to the show. I think every time I maybe do the exercise, I feel like it gets even deeper. It gets deeper, it gets deeper. And and only now am I kind of realizing that I changed careers a lot and did a lot of things, but they all kind of had the same purpose behind them. Mm-hmm. Is that I think artists change lives with their talent. It's so important. Arts and entertainment. You can, no matter what's going on in your life, you can escape to the world that artists create for us. And I saw too many artists give up because they couldn't figure out how to make a living at it. And I just am so passionate about what I do now. And I do love that deep inner work stuff. And it took me a long time to get to that too. I'm still struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's just the purpose behind it is to help artists on a deeper level, build their confidence, figure out their purpose, figure out why they're doing what they're doing. Why do you want what you want? What do you want? All that deep inner work. Mm -hmm. I just, and for me, it's also connection. You know, I am a committed introvert. (laughs) I love (laughs) my alone time. And 
I think even as a publicist, it, you're connected with the artist, but there's still a disconnect. Whereas with coaching, it's the deep inner work that I get to do with artists. Mm -hmm. It is helping them break through. Mm -hmm. And I think when I first started coaching, I figured give the people what they want. You all want my PR and marketing knowledge. I'm a PR and marketing coach for musicians, actors, artists. And so I would get artists coming to me, teach me PR and marketing. They didn't want to do that inner work. <laughs> and so yeah. it was a bit of a struggle at first because like, even when I was a publicist, artists come to me, okay, I created this. I need a publicist, go promote me. Mm -hmm. And they were skipping that deep inner work. And then even as a coach, yeah. They want to skip over that deep mm -hmm. inner work. It's like, so when are we going to get to you teaching me social media and, and PR stuff? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, after a while now, I don't really focus on the PR and marketing stuff as much in my own messaging because I don't want to attract the people that don't want to do the work. Yeah. If you want to social media tips, you can Google it. It's free. <laughs> you know, 100%. there's a yeah. lot, but will you actually do it? And I think the, now I really stress the, that all personal branding is, is that deep inner work. It's figuring out your purpose. What do you want? Why do you want it? Mm -hmm. What are your core values? What are the limiting beliefs that are holding you back from really putting yourself out there? What parts of your story can you share to connect to other people and your image? You know, what can you be consistent with who you are with your image? And so there's a lot before you even get to the actual designing a logo and promoting yourself stuff. And now I really focus on, you got to be prepared to do the work and take the time. I tell a lot of artists, slow down, stop. Yeah, because to me, it sounds like it's the it's like the master key, right? You have to, once you unlock this, your story, your why, everything else falls into place. It's yeah. on a different level what I do when it comes to brand storytelling. People are so driven by external things like oh i have to feed this machine i have to post things three times a week and i'm like what do you apply yourself to i mean yeah that's maybe some weird technical issue and if you want to be good at it of course maybe you have to post things but you don't have to post because the networks needs it right you have yeah. to post because you have so much to tell and you have a story that you can translate into a million posts if you want it so it feels like there's a similarity but to all people who maybe still don't have a real idea what you do as a personal branding and pr coach tell us how do you work with your clients um how does the process look like and what do you help them with People would download that freebie the mm -hmm. fans media and industry attraction playbook i feel it's all my experience, my whole life put into that PDF because it does cover photography and image and, and then the publicity and social media, but it really starts with that phase one. And 
So artists will come to me, they'll have that. Then you can book a free session with me where we just see if we're a fit, but we talk about what your goals are. What do you want to achieve, say, even in the next year? And what are the things that are holding you back? Sometimes that's external things. Sometimes it's internal things. It's usually a combination of both. And we just talk to see if we're a fit, if it's a connection, like if I'm the coach for you. Sorry, excuse me. And a lot of it is, are you willing to open up of Mm -hmm. who you really are? Are you ready to do the inner work? A lot of people aren't. And that's Mm -hmm. fine, too. And I find most of the artists I work with, they're not brand new to the industry at 19. They've already tried to do this on their own and they've struggled along the way. And that, but they know they really want to do this. And so if they're ready to do the deep inner work, then, and it's a match, then I generally will work with people twice a month on an ongoing basis. And we go through the phases of that playbook of the method. And we really spend a lot of time on that first phase. And it's kind of like, and for me, that's the phase I love the most. Mm-hmm. And if you get through phase one with me, then yeah, I'll teach you everything I know about PR and marketing. Mm-hmm. And I'll mm-hmm. show you how to do your own publicity. I'll show you all that stuff. But it's the deep inner work that I love. So we start with like your vision. Like, what do you want? What do you want your life to look like 10 years from now? You know, do you, are you touring the world? Are you like, what is your artistry? What is your lifestyle? Where are you living? What, how much money you're making? What do you want to accomplish and why? So go through every phase of your life and say what you want, but then also figure out why do you want that? Mm-hmm. And so we spend some time with that. Then breaking that down to goal setting. Taking that 10-year vision. Okay, where do you have to be at five years to be on track for that? Then it gets more real as you get closer. So then the one year. Breaking it down to what do I need to do this week to be on track to that? And right down to email this person check. And then when you do that, you also feel like you're accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. And I even, I have to take my own advice on the goal setting stuff. Cause again, I'm a go with the flower and I could, I go with the flow and went with that flow for years and didn't get anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. So even me, when I find I'm floating, I return to the goals and, Mm -hmm. you know, it keeps you on track to what you want and remind yourself what you want. And then the why session, it's always the breakthrough session, mm-hmm. the purpose of why you want what you want. It's always a, sometimes it's a childhood experience or some major experience that sent you on this path. Or why is it so important to you to express yourself this way? You know, just because you love art is not enough reason because okay you could be you can have a hobby mm-hmm. go get a full-time job doing whatever 
And a lot of people are happy with this life. So there's nothing wrong with it. It's like majority of society. It's priorities. They majority of society. They do get that. Whatever that full-time job is. Yeah, they like it. But maybe their priorities are a bit more about family and whatever. Again, that's why the core values comes in. Security. If your values are family, home life, and security, well, maybe you're not going to be a musician touring the world. Yeah, probably not. But if you don't do the work, a lot of musicians, their first thing is, oh, I want to be famous. I want to be touring the world. And even the fame part where, because I work with a lot of performing artists. Okay, but why do you want to be famous? And usually that we dig into. Mm-hmm. It's not that you want to be famous. It's that you want to just be seen. That you want to be valued for something. Mm-hmm. That's usually what it comes down to. And so, yeah, we go through all that. And limiting beliefs is that stuff is this all the That's reasons huge. that hold us back. That's usually a huge part, too. And this time, this stuff takes time. It's not something... I even look at other personal branding coaches and their programs are like four sessions and we'll have you on your way. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have it in four sessions. (laughs) Like, Sorry. (laughs) Well, Um, I mean, you will have a Insta bio maybe or some superficial definition of it, but I know exactly what you mean. But a question, is there some limiting beliefs that you want to share with the sweet people in the audience because i think there is a huge variety of limiting beliefs that some of us are aware of and can't break through and a lot of us are maybe not even aware of and this can go for entrepreneurship or creative work are there like some of the all-time classics one that you can quote from the top of your head well one thing i found interesting after a lot of coaching And asking artists in that first kind of free session of, you know, what do you want uh, and what are things that are holding you back? Mm -hmm. They all and I was mostly focusing on musicians and actors at that time. Now I've opened it up to all creatives. But um, it was interesting that they may have used different words, but it all came down to what's holding them back is fear and a lack of knowledge. They all said it different ways, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, I could look at 50 artists, actors and musicians, every single one of them. It came down to fear and a lack of knowledge, fear of failure, fear of putting themselves out there and being judged, fear of sometimes people have family that don't necessarily approve of their lifestyle or, you know, they, you know, family wants you to have a secure job, get a real job. And so there's a lot of fear around it. And then a lot of it is a lack of knowledge of like, I don't know how to promote myself. I don't know how to make industry connections. I don't know how to get press and, That's where I can come in, but also the fear is what, you know, we have to address the fear and limiting beliefs before we can be successful at 
the lack of knowledge of PR and marketing. Um, And so limiting beliefs are just those thoughts that come to your head of like, oh, I want to do this. But. But, Yeah. But your brain starts telling you you can't. Um, Your brain starts to. And sometimes that voice is not even yours. You know, I have my mother's voice in my head a lot. And I tell her, shut up. You know? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, because like my mother was very secure. Her values for her were security, yeah. safety, safety net, predictability, and so my life now makes her very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't imagine. And, yeah, and so a lot of it, it's her voice in my head saying, "Oh, just because they can do it doesn't mean I can." You know, um, you might have to struggle your whole life. Like the voices of thing is their beliefs. It's their limiting beliefs. And sometimes your family is happy staying in that place. But for me, I found that I have to overcome those. Those limiting beliefs are those voices in your head that may be yours, but it could be someone else's voice telling you that. You really should just, if this is not working, because especially as artists, it takes a lot of dedication to make a successful or make a living at this. Mm -hmm. And the voice is sometimes even, maybe it's your own voice saying, maybe you should get a real job now. Like, this is not working. You've tried it and it's not happening. But it's when you know your why and you know your motivation behind why you want to do this, then I've just gotten to the point where if I recognize that I'm holding myself back from something, I address it. Mm-hmm. I work through it. And one of my many mentors, I love Jasmine Starr. She's a social media expert and branding expert. And I always like her because she is not a mentor that tells you, oh, three easy steps and you can do it all. She's like, no, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of struggle. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, and she always says you have to do the work that most people won't do. And now I've made it my catchphrase. You got to do the work that most That's people amazing. won't do because look at all your creative friends. Most of them are not doing the work that they need to do. Mm-hmm. Like, Especially artists, like you all want to be a working musician, a working artist, a working actor. And there's a lot of things that you need to do that you might not want to do in order to get there. And so the people that will make it are the ones that will do the work that most people won't do. Because I'm sure a lot of your listeners, how many social media courses have you bought? Yeah, and not 100%. done. Yeah, I think it's because that's a that's I wouldn't say it's a placebo, but it's easy to work on the symptoms instead of the real problem. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what's happening, even in in my line of work, where you maybe want to build a brand and you just say, okay, but let's just spend more money in advertising budget. And things like that. It's just symptoms. You can just deflect, deflect. Ah, but I did this and I bet did this. And I, you can just check off the boxes, but you leave this one 
big important box unchecked and then it's not gonna happen and what he just said reminded me of a conversation i had with a dear friend she's a musician and a producer and we had a great chat once about the inner voices because what you said is absolutely relatable maybe a lot of people are aware of it some might not be aware of it but you have a lot of you have an inner audience and it can be very limiting very destructive sometimes but i think a game changer is that you can curate that voices and if you can't get rid of them well at least you can put your own inner audience you can fill it up you can fill up the seats with people that cheer for you you can with your mentors with your idols with let's make it mickey mouse who cares but as long as they yeah. cheer for you and they push you and they tell you optimistic positive empowering messages and i think that's a and that's not too hard for imaginative creative people I mean, there are voices in your head, of course, but then, hey, fill the fill the empty seats with people rooting for you, right? So we yeah. had this conversation, and I really had to think about it. And um, yeah, it's a it's a maybe a good way to start this whole process. Yeah, and when I coach artists through those limiting beliefs, it's let's really look at it. Mm -hmm. Is that belief really true? Why is it true? Why do you think yeah. it's true? And yeah. then, could something else be true? Mm -hmm. and to be able to actually have when that voice you might not get rid of that voice but when that voice comes you go that's not true actually this is true and also yes i i like what you're saying about surrounding yourself with people that will lift you up instead of hold you back yeah you know even when well, i first started in vancouver you know i loved my artist community it's like i was the I want to be a photographer, someone mm -hmm. else want to be an actor. I want to be a musician. I want to be a painter. I want to be a graphic designer. And we would talk about it. And then a year or two would go by and I actually worked towards it and they're all still talking about it. Yeah. And then it was actually different when I moved to Toronto because in Toronto, it's a bit more, okay, we want to do this we'll actually go do it, you know, and, and it's a, it, there's more action takers, I think mm -hmm. here. So. Yeah. Well, talking about action and putting things into action, we talked about the inner process that you help people with, but you have a nice quote on your website. You say, um, where multi-passionate artists slide into the spotlight with the impact and income to match. And I want to talk more about the word impact because it really stuck with yeah. me. So, What impact do you believe art and entertainment um, have on the world, maybe? And what's what impact do you want to have? Yeah. Yeah. I think when I was with a lot of asking artists what they want, they might not have used the word impact, but mm -hmm. they, they want to make a difference. They mm -hmm. want to tell stories. They want to... have their art impact someone else. They want, you know, people to listen to my song and see themselves in the story I'm telling. I want people to watch me on stage acting and people to connect. And so it's that, what impact do you want to make on the world? And 
that's kind of what impact means to me. And for what impact I want to make is I want to make it so that more artists don't give up, that they have the tools to make their dreams come true. And then the selfish reason, there's more arts and entertainment in the world that we all That's can honest. enjoy. That's great. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, because I really thought about this and impact is a nice way to capture in one word what a lot of creatives strive for, right? Resonance, yeah. having, building connections with other, having the feeling maybe even of, of this this thought of heritage, right? Leaving something behind that maybe is bigger than yourself. And all that comes down to, yeah, you can call it impact. And I really like this, like this yeah. phrase. Yeah. Some people might call it fame. Like maybe at first artist was like, I want to be famous. Yeah. You probably don't. It's probably you want to just make an impact. Yeah. Bigger outreach. Diane, um, first of all, I want to mention your podcast that I had the pleasure of being a guest on, the Multi-Passionate Artist Podcast. Um, so for the sweet people who didn't listen to it, what is it about and what can we take away from it? I'm transitioning it again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've transitioned it twice now. The podcast started out as it was called Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Because even in the coaching world, they tell you to pick one thing and stick to it. And you got a niche down. <laughs> hate this advice. But now I'm going against it. But even in coaching, they're like, you can't be for all artists. Mm -hmm. Narrow it down. So I narrowed it down to like musicians and actors. That's as far as I'm going. I'm not going any further. And so I thought, sing, dance, act, thrive. It kind of captures, you know, performing artists. Even though I was more of a visual artist, but that's okay. And so I did a lot of interviews. A lot of famous people are on it. Akon apparently is very, very famous. Mm. My, <laughs> my international downloads for his episode is crazy. Nice. Um, I've had Timberland. I have famous actors, but also a lot of lesser known, but they're making a good living. Like that's what you want. Um, and then when I decided to go all in on multi-passionate, multi-potentialite, let's just, I'm the coach that won't tell you to niche down. I'm the one that won't tell you that you have to pick one thing and stick to it. And I'm just embracing it. I'm going with mm -hmm. it. So I changed the name to multi-passionate artists and I still kind of continued with the interviews but it opened it up to more than just musicians and actors and now i'm going to transition it a bit more again because again i have to take my own advice and put myself out there i'm going to do more solo shows mm -hmm. and i also want to coach on the show Life so recording. if anyone wants to have a free coaching session but on the podcast ooh, that's amazing that's something I'm <laughs> I'm doing right now. Um, cool. Yeah, I haven't figured out where to put it on my website yet. But yeah, any day now on my dianefoy.com, there'll be a, do you want to be coached live on the podcast? Apply here. And I think it's going to be fun and fascinating and, and even helpful because even if you're not the one being coached you're listening to this and you see you can hear other people's struggles and breakthroughs 
So now it's going to be a mix of solo shows of me sharing my expertise, some interviews, some coaching sessions, and Amazing. all with multi-passionate artists. I love that. Can't wait to hear the new episodes. That sounds like yeah. a real treat. Amazing. Diane, I have two questions I ask all my guests um, at the end of the show. So being involved in the arts and entertainment industry, is there something that inspires you that you see happening within the next months or years that you want to share with the sweet people? I think it is more people embracing who they really are and sharing it. Because for so long, even in performing arts, it's like you put a brand on you, mm -hmm. you put an image on you. And this is your story that a bunch of people, marketing people helped you create. And now people are seeing through that and people want to know who you really are. And I think it's just more and more people are going to embrace that, start sharing things that they never shared before and really opening up. And that's what I want to encourage everyone to do because you're going to help someone and someone's going to hear your story and feel less alone. They're going to hear your story and go, hey, maybe I could do that too. Or what you're saying, I'm in, I'm your super fan now, because I just, everything about you. And I think it's just going to be more and more people. And I think audiences are demanding that more now too. Mm -hmm. They want to know more about you. Even if I'm a fan of a an artist, if I go to their Instagram and it's just their art, 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 I don't really want to follow that. And I find especially with with visual artists, painters, they hide even more than performing artists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But for me to buy paintings, arts, I want to know the story behind it. I want to know who the artist is. I want to know what you thought while you were painting it. Tell me these stories. And people get invested in you as an artist. So your Instagram, even if you are a painter, have it be, okay, this is, let us in on the process. I want to see the blank canvas before you even start. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What is your intention? Then show me the halfway point. Show me the finished product. Show me, tell me stories along the way. Then I'm in. If it connects to me, it might not connect to everyone either. There's going to be some people that are like, nah, it's not for me. Yeah. But the people that it is for, they're going to be super fans. Amazing. That's great advice. And um, something that I can also see happening in various forms of arts and even brands that get more personal and people that yeah. become the face of a brand because it's more approachable. Yeah, 100%. Well, you see more and more huge corporations, they're trying to get in on what we already have. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to tell you this, like even Amazon commercial, they're telling you a story of the, the guy that works in the warehouse and they paid yeah. for his school or whatever. And now he's, you know, whatever, like the big 
brands and companies, they're trying to tap into what we already can do is tell our personal story. Yeah. So yeah. you have the advantage. You just have to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think this is something that all listeners can, if not relate to, at least they should look into it because I think there's a lot of potential for the future. Yeah, great. Yeah. You know, my last question is usually what's next? What's coming up next? And you told us already so much about the new podcast episodes, but maybe yeah. there's even more what coming else? or a highlight show that you want people to revisit or what can we what can we expect? What can we look out for? I think look out for me taking my own advice more mm -hmm. and putting myself out there. I've been I'm an introvert and that's, there's a reason why all my jobs before now have been like behind the scenes, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, I'm pushing the artists out there to put, you have to tell your story. You have to put yourself out there, but these days everyone has to, it's the way the world is working now. Everyone has to be a brand. Everyone has to tell their story and put themselves out there. And so, you know, I, I've been doing it more And I've been putting myself on video more. Mm -hmm. And I think I figured out the content of how I can share more of what I know. So going forward, I'm going to be doing more uh, content that is actually teaching you things. I'm coming up with like theme Right now, the theme, because it's the first one, is the multipotentiality. Mm -hmm. So for the next few weeks, all my content is going to be about multipotentialites, multipassionates, our superpowers. And I'm going to probably do a solo podcast episode, a solo video that I could post on socials. And then maybe the next week is personal branding. And right. maybe there'll be a week or two on core values. And that's all we'll talk about is core values. And that's why with artists that come on the show to be coached, sometimes that'll dictate whatever the topic is we talk about for the next few weeks. So, yeah. yes, I'm going to be putting myself out there more. So come watch we me. Are, <laughs> we are looking forward to that and we will be watching. Well, Diane, thanks so much for sharing your story, sharing your sweet spot with us. And thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Sweet people, what a talk. I enjoyed talking to Diane and her experience from over 30 years as a creative entrepreneur. I like that we talk about biases within creative jobs, people telling you what you can do and can't do and when you sometimes just have to find your own path. I also enjoyed that she's asking her clients a lot of why questions, which is similar to what I do in my studio. I'm pretty sure you took away a lot of inspiration from this talk today. Sweeties, as you probably noticed, I'm doing a lot more creative coffee break podcasts at the moment and also Instagram on, as live sessions. And since the feedback is great, I'm going to focus more on these short format episodes. I'll be back with interviews, but for now, let's find some inspiration and hands-on tips for brand building in the upcoming episodes of The Creative Coffee Break. If you want to learn more about my studio, how you can build an outstanding brand, or if you want to book a workshop or creative coaching with me, check out my website, sweetspot-studio.com. 
That's it for this week. I'll be back next Wednesday with the Creative Coffee Break and I'll hear you on the sweet side. This podcast is produced by Sweet Spot Studio. New episodes each week, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, leave a rating and subscribe to never miss an episode. Find out more at sweetspot-studio.com.